Okay, let me invite you to stand with me. I, you may already still be standing because I don't think we told you to sit, but <laughs> please stand with me. And I'm going to read for us from Luke 23, um, uh, the last words of Jesus from the cross. We have been in a series leading up to Easter looking at the, the last words of Jesus from the cross. We're going to look at the seventh and final of those uh, this morning. In order to really understand what the resurrection means, we have to see what happened immediately before the resurrection. Uh, it sets the context for Jesus' resurrection. Jesus' last words, having accomplished what he came to do, Jesus now, uh, from the cross, looks forward to his homecoming, uh, his reunion with God the Father. So listen to these words as I read Luke 23, verses 44 to 49. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. This is God's word. Amen. You may be seated, please. I was talking with a friend uh, a couple weeks ago, a uh, friend who's a firefighter, um, somebody in our church, and he was, he was sharing that one of the most dangerous things that firefighters experience is the experience of becoming disoriented in a burning building, in a, in a building that is on fire and is, is filled with smoke. It's easy, of course, to get disoriented in a space that is unfamiliar and where it's difficult to see. Not knowing exactly where you are, this experience of disorientation is very confusing. Disorientation uh, is this experience of losing your sense of direction, of becoming mentally clouded um, and confused. And it can make relatively simple tasks like leaving a building uh, extremely difficult. Now there's a sense in which all of us collectively are experiencing a period of disorientation. A time where life has been turned on its head, and because life has been turned on its head, things that are normally relatively simple and straightforward strike us as very difficult. It's interesting to me over the last month or so, as I've talked with people, um, family, friends, uh, many of you, um, we are all experiencing this uh, period of social isolation, of course, in different ways. And yet I think one of the common experiences is that we are all feeling disoriented. And the reason that I say that is because the one thing that people tend to have in common as we talk about how we're doing, uh, most of us talk about being very, very tired. Uh, some of us aren't doing very well at all. Some of us are really struggling. Others of us are 
things seem relatively normal, sometimes we even feel guilty because we don't feel worse. But one thing that we all seem to have in common, I think, is that we're very, very tired. We're all living in places that are very familiar. Most of us are stuck at home. Um, Jason is like the only person in my family that I, who, who's not in my family who I've seen in the last month. Um, we're stuck at home. And yet things have shifted dramatically for us, haven't they? Uh, many of us are juggling working and parenting um, and teaching our kids all at the same time. We are uh, stuck in these cramped spaces, and not, you know what I mean, we're stuck at home, we're, we're getting a little stirred crazy, um, and yet we feel very lonely at the same time. We're around people, and yet we feel lonely. We're having to make new decisions about rapidly changing circumstances without really knowing uh, what the future holds, or having a fixed point of reference to help us make those decisions. And so the, the, the result of all of this disorientation is that often by uh, the time evening rolls around, we're just very, very tired. We miss our friends, we miss our coworkers, we miss our extended families. It's all very disorienting. Disorientation is that feeling of mental confusion that makes even simple tasks feel very difficult. And uh, what intrigued me as I was talking with my firefighter friend a couple weeks ago about uh, th this experience of firefighters becoming disoriented is that uh, firefighters have developed a simple acronym to help them uh, become reoriented or ask for help uh, over the radio when they become disoriented. Uh, there is an acronym, LUNAR, uh, location, where am I, unit, uh, who are my people, name, who am I, assignment, what am I supposed to be doing here, and resources, what do I need to return to safety. When we experience disorientation, we become reoriented by going back to the basics, by asking simple questions, who am I? Who are my people? What am I doing here? And what do I need to find my way again? And what I want you to hear this morning is that Easter is all about what God does to reorient us. That's what Easter is all about. Easter is about what God does to reorient us, not just during this time of social distancing. Of course, it's much bigger than that. Though, of course, it's as relevant now as has ever been. Easter is about what God does to reorient our lives around the reality of his beauty, his truth, and his goodness. You know, some of us, tragically, have been uh, victims of injustice. The actions of others have wounded us. And that is an incredibly disorienting experience. When someone who is supposed to be a caregiver, a person who loves us, hurts us, uh, it is a disorienting experience. Life becomes very confusing. All of us, of course, have, through our own actions, our sin, our rebellion against God, we have lost our way too. We have called good evil. We have called evil good. We've set our hearts on things that can never satisfy. We have, we have loved things that God hates and we have hated things that God loves. We have become disoriented in 
the world. And to all of us, Easter shouts good news. Because at Easter, what happens is that Jesus, God in the flesh, comes out of the fog to reorient us, to help us find our way back to him. Jesus was dead in the tomb. He was dead in the tomb. But on the third day, he got up again. On the third day, his heart begins to beat again. Blood begins to flow through his veins. His lungs fill with air. And Jesus gets up and he walks out of the tomb, the firstborn from the dead. And he invites you into this new way of living. He invites you and he invites me to follow him into resurrection life. To fully appreciate what this means. To truly experience this foretaste of, of, of resurrection, of reorientation. To enter into resurrection life with Jesus. We have to appreciate the path that Jesus took to uh, get to the resurrection. You know, the resurrection implies that he was alive, and then he died, and then he rose again. And that is the path of life for Jesus and for us. This is his pattern of life. He moves from orientation in life through the disorientation of the cross and death into a reorientation on that first Easter Sunday morning as he is resurrected to new life. Life through death to resurrection, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Let me unpack that and explain what I mean. You know, one of the things that's very clear as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and uh, you read the stories of the life of Jesus, it becomes very clear uh, early on that Jesus had a crystal clear sense of who he was. He knew exactly who he was and what he came to do. One of the uh, interesting stories in the Bible um, is that at an early age, at the age of 12 years old, you know, as an adolescent, as a, as a preteen, Jesus with his parents uh, and extended family and relatives, they go up to Jerusalem for a festival. And uh, they're there in Jerusalem, and then the, uh, the festival is over, and his parents and his friends and extended family and relatives, they all begin to journey back home. And in this big crowd, they're, they're traveling back home, and uh, a day goes by before Jesus' parents realize that he's not there with him. And they begin to panic, and they go back to Jerusalem, and it says that it took them three days to find Jesus. Could you imagine losing your 12-year-old son for three days? And when they finally find Jesus, he's in the temple, and he's, he's talking with the, the uh, religious teachers there, and they're amazed at the questions that he's asking and, and his answers even to them. And his parents, they're anxious, and they're, 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 uh, you know, they're so anxious, and they find him, and they say, where were you? And Jesus is almost confused at them and he says didn't you know that i had to be in my father's house he has this clear sense of who he is and what he's here to do as he begins his ministry jesus has a clear sense that his the cross is his ultimate destination he he says this over and over again the cross the cross is the goal of jesus life 
many times uh, in the, in the uh, years leading up to the crucifixion. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them, we are going to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed. Three days later, I will rise again. He says it over and over and over again. We're going to Jerusalem. I'll be killed. Three days later, I will rise from the dead. He has this crystal clear sense that that is what he is here for. The purpose of his life is found in the cross. In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why I came, Jesus said, to give myself away, and by giving myself away, to save many, many people. The cross is the goal of Jesus' life. It orients everything about who he is and what he does. He begins with this point of orientation, knowing what he's about. But... The interesting thing is that the actual experience of the cross is a profoundly disorienting experience for Jesus. We've seen this over the last several months, several weeks, as we've looked at uh, his words from the cross in, in our sermon series. The actual experience of the cross is incredibly disorienting for him. The cross is not just a minor inconvenience that Jesus has to endure, knowing that at the end of the weekend, he's going to be raised from the dead, so it's not really that big of a deal. No, the cross is, is, a, is, a, uh, is, a, is, a, is an all-consuming, it's an undoing experience for him. And the cross, Jesus is undone. My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me, God? Why have you abandoned me? Father, if there's any other way, let this cup be taken from me. Where are you, my Father? Why am I all alone? The actual experience of the cross for Jesus is profoundly disorienting. And yet, it's as he suffers in his confusion, in his disorientation, that Jesus is working to save us. It's as he is pulled apart that we are put back together. It's as he is abandoned that we are reconciled to God. He pays the penalty for our sin on the cross. And so when he cries out, it is finished. What Jesus is saying is this. I have accomplished every single thing I came here to do. The cross that has been the goal of his life has, has satisfied the just demands of God. The purpose for which I came is now complete. And so it's significant that his final words from the cross are not, it is finished. But having finished his work on the cross, Jesus now says in the words that I read just a moment ago, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Once it is finished, the work on the cross, there is a reorientation Jesus can now return to his Father. Uh, there is reunion. Jesus is saying, essentially in his words, he's saying, now I can rest. Now I'm at peace. I give myself up to God to be reunited with him. And so he entrusts himself to God, breathes his last, and that's when the resurrection comes. From life through death to resurrection, from orientation to disorientation, to reorientation. This is the life of Jesus. And following Jesus means that we follow in the way of Jesus. 
The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation into a life that is shaped by the cross and finds hope in the resurrection. So uh, let, let me unpack that a little bit. This is the life of Jesus, the pattern of Jesus. Life, death, and resurrection. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. But it's also the pattern for Christians. This invitation to follow Jesus for us is an invitation to follow him from a life where we feel oriented into the experience of disorientation and finally out the other side to resurrection life, to reorientation, to reunion. I mean, consider with me, we all begin our journey with confidence that we know what's going on. That's sort of our natural state. But being called to God is a call to live a cross-shaped life. To be a Christian is to live a life that is marked out by the cross of Jesus. And not simply by his cross 2,000 years ago, but uh, as Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, a servant is not greater than his master. Following Jesus means following Jesus to the cross. It means experiencing disorientation just like Jesus did. Following Jesus means that God will begin to dismantle and strip away our mistaken views of both God, our world, and ourselves. The reality of who God is, it will reshape our priorities. It will, it will change our pursuit of success. It will challenge um, the centrality of God's kingdom will trump our political persuasion. It will challenge our relationships. It will, it will disorient us because it will take those things that we thought were sure and it will turn them on their heads. This experience of disorientation is not something that happens just one time or all at once in life. It doesn't happen simply when we come to Jesus for the first time. Uh, it's an ongoing process where God refines us throughout our lives as we follow Jesus. Like an onion, he opens up new layers of sin and unhealth in us, disorienting us in order to forgive and heal and redeem us. Often for us, this means experiencing loss. It means going through things that we don't want to experience. And let's be honest, we don't like this, do we? It's confusing. And often when we go through these experiences of disorientation, of loss, of grief, we wonder, like Jesus on the cross wondered, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, why are you taking me through this? And yet it is Jesus' suffering on the cross in our place that gives us the resources to endure when we don't know what God is doing. It is because Jesus was faithful to us on the cross. And through his faithfulness to us on the cross that he gives us the grace to remain faithful to him when we cannot understand what's going on, when simple things become very difficult and we don't understand what God is doing. Friends, I have to say this, that in my experience as a pastor over almost 15 years, both personally in my own life and also uh, as I have walked with others and observed others, 
This is not an overstatement. Mo the vast majority of personal problems in my life and in your lives are the results of a refusal to remain in this place of disorientation. Let, let, let me say that again because I, I know that's going to sound like an understatement. Most of the problems in our lives come down to this, a refusal to experience the disorientation that comes from following Jesus to the cross. We want simple answers when the world is complex. We don't want nuance. We want things black or white. We don't want to listen to the truth of God's word when it contradicts the way that we feel. We want to see results in our lives right away, so we take shortcuts. We want things our way, and we want them our way right now, so we're not willing to work with others or learn from them. We don't want to wait with others who are struggling, so we abandon them or we give them trite bumper sticker answers instead of sitting with them in their grief. Every personal problem I've experienced in my life or witnessed in others comes down to an unwillingness to experience disorientation, to simply sit in the midst of it. Friends, right now we are living through the great pause. <laughs> this moment in life where um, everything has been turned on its head, where uh, we have an opportunity to hit reset on everything. And let's be honest, it's very disorienting, isn't it? And what I want to ask you this Easter is this, what would it look like for you to actually lean into what God is doing in your life during this reset? What would it look like for you to not waste this great pause? Well, when the soil of our hearts is freshly tilled, what would it look like for you to plant seeds that would grow into reorientation? For years, for years, for decades, maybe for generations, we have used our busyness as an excuse to not do things we know we should. Um, to do things that we know we shouldn't. And we have used our busyness as an excuse that says, I really want to do, you know, I really, I really want to love God more. I really want to grow in my affection for Him. I really want to spend more time uh, with my family. I really want to get in better shape. Well, all these things that we, we say we really want to do, but I'm just so busy. What are we saying? We're saying, it's not my fault. I want to do this, but I can't. I am physically unable unable to do that, but a great pause has been forced upon us that shows our busyness to be a lie, that it was just an excuse to not live with the disorientation of making changes that are necessary but difficult. And so now we're in the midst of this, and the question is, will we continue to use our busyness in an attempt to cover up our sin and shame with our own frantic efforts now that that excuse has been taken away from us. Because whatever you might say about your life over the last month, 
what, what we've all experienced is that we have our, our, our conception of time has totally changed. And you do have the, the time to do these things that you've wanted to. And so I want to ask you, what would it look like for you to capitalize on this reset by planting seeds that will grow into reorientation while your heart has already been tilled by this crisis? What would that look like for you? We don't like disorientation. We tend to rush through it as quickly as we can, but the way of Jesus, growing in maturity, uh, discipleship to Christ, means learning to slow down and lean into what God is doing in our hearts, in our lives, as we experience these times of disorientation. We follow Jesus in the way of the cross. It is disorienting. It's confusing. And yet, it's not the end. Friends, we live in a Good Friday world, but the good news is this. Easter is coming. The light of the resurrection has already begun to dawn upon us, friends. Because of what Jesus has done, you can call his father your father. Because of what Jesus has done in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, you can call his God your God. Jesus' God is yours as well. Because Jesus has already walked the path from life to death to resurrection, you can hold on to God no matter what, because resurrection, reorientation, is coming. It is coming. Jesus on the cross calls out, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. God, I'm coming home. My work is done. I am eagerly anticipating our reunion, and his body is laid in a borrowed tomb. <clears throat> and then three days later, on that first Easter Sunday, he gets up, and he walks into a new sort of life, a life where he is physically the same and yet different, a life in which his friends recognized him but not immediately. A life in which death is an impossibility, that is the sort of life that Jesus experiences. And that is the sort of life that awaits those who put their trust in him. Friends, we know that a great reunion is coming. We don't know if it's going to be three weeks from now or three months from now. God, please don't let it be three years from now. But we know that at some point in the short to medium term future, uh, a moment is coming when officials and the president, when our governors, probably just Dr. Fauci, whenever he says it's okay, <clears throat> that we will come out of our homes. And when we do, uh, we will experience a great reunion. Uh, there will be eating together. There will be hugs. There will be laughing. There will be talk of how much we have missed each other. We will smile and we will uh, experience this great reunion together. I cannot wait for that moment. But friends, what Easter Sunday tells us is that what we experience when that great reunion comes in a few weeks or a few months 
is one sliver of what we will experience when the resurrection that Jesus bought for us becomes the reality that those who are in Christ experience together. A day is coming when, like Jesus who has gone before us, we will get up out of our graves, and with resurrected bodies, we will come to a feast, and we will be there together, and God will be in our presence, and we will see him face to face, and there will be laughing, and there will be joy, because finally everything will be made right. And that is the truth of what Jesus did on the first Easter. That is the reality of what he does to reorient our lives. That's what Resurrection Sunday looks like. And it is that hope that allows us to endure no matter what we experience in those times of disorientation. Would you pray with me? Oh Jesus, we praise you You are glorious beyond measure. It is hard for us to fathom um, both the loss that you suffered on the cross and the glory that you um, embodied on that first Resurrection Sunday. Jesus, the resurrection truly changes everything. It is the dividing line in human history. And we pray uh, this morning that it would be the defining mark in our lives as well. And so, Jesus, I pray that those of us who have walked with you for a long time would experience this morning our faith being stirred into new action. That we would uh, not resist those times of disorientation because we know that you will bring resurrection out of them. Would you breathe new life into us? Help us to follow you more faithfully and graciously. And Jesus, I pray for anyone who uh, may be with us this morning who has never experienced uh, the life, the resurrection life that you have purchased for them. Oh, Jesus, would you um, today, by your spirit, uh, dwell in those people. Maybe in this moment, God, would you help um, someone to cry out simply, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you lived and died and rose again for me. I want to live my life for you. We give you praise and glory and thanks and honor, our great King, because you have conquered death. Jesus, you are alive. So help us to follow you, we pray in your name. Amen.